Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan Myler. With me this week is Ryan McDowell. No Matt this week, celebrating the holiday weekend or extending New Year's, I guess, uh, as he's on the road. So, Ryan, welcome back. We missed you last week for over Christmas break, but you're here for the New Year. Yeah, glad to be back. Missed you guys as well. Um yeah, we it's always always like Matt to extend the party a little bit. So we'll we'll miss Matt this week, but uh we'll we'll get through it, I think. Usually when he's hanging out with us, he's like extending the rules of a game we're playing or something True. like that. Yes, yes. Uh, or a segment we're doing. This time he just uh decided to ex- extend 2023, I guess. Uh so week 17 in the books, championship week. I had one massive matchup that I really, really wanted to win. That one went my way. Uh, took down another title. Took second in one league. And then all those leagues I lost in in week 16, got third in those. So, you know, what? week 15 was rough for me, Ryan. It uh, yes, me too. knocked me out of a couple of leagues that I thought I was a true contender where I didn't get the bye week. Week uh, 16 was half and half. So ended up in some third place games and then week 17 actually treated me pretty good. I, I had a lot of the names that you wanted to have the, the Lamar Jackson's and the Kyron Williams, mm. Brees Hall and a couple of them, Jaden Reed all over the place as well. So enough uh, to get me a couple titles. How about you? Yeah. A couple titles for me as well. I think I've talked about it on here uh, probably last year and uh, lately heading into the playoffs that, Last year was the first year I haven't won a dynasty title in, in quite a while. Uh, so yeah. I was glad to break glad to break that streak. I won the first uh, first ever um, King's Classic Dynasty Championship. That's the uh, those are the leagues that are hosted in Canton, Ohio, uh, just before the uh, at the FF Expo, just before the season began. So first year of that league, I was able to take down that title. Won my home league against my real life buddies. I know that's always that's always a big deal for everyone, and yeah. uh, took uh, took one of the kitchen sink titles as well. So yeah, it was it was a pretty successful week and overall a pretty successful season. I gotta tell you, this isn't dynasty related, but my twelve year old son Ryan was in his first real fantasy football league. We we held a nice. draft, got them all together, uh, had the stickers on the board and all that stuff, and he took that one down uh, in his first season playing fantasy. Oh, that's as well. awesome! So, congrats to Hudson. He got that big win. Uh, he can't wait to pick out his trophy. He's got he's got to have something to show off for that. So I uh, hope you guys all got your get titles. Him a ring. As get him well. a ring. Get that trophy. Get that ring. Get the belt. Whatever it was that you're, uh, you're you were striving for. This is actually episode 600 of the show, Ryan. So we've done 600 of these. I know you and I have been on on most of those for sure, Matt as well. This week we're going to talk about some of those dynasty league winners. Some of the names I just mentioned. Uh, as well as others. We got a question of the week to get to as well. But first, I wanted to mention that uh, episode 600 of the DLF Dynasty podcast is brought to you by League Tycoon. Guys, I, uh, I, I had my first League Tycoon experience. In fact, just today I was looking through at the winner 
uh, winners, I should say, in that league. It was a man. It was a fun league. I, I love their setup. I uh, I, got, I got bounced from the playoffs earlier. Actually, I didn't even make the playoffs. I was a seventh seed over there, and that really stung quite a bit. I got on the site the oh during championship week just to kind of see first of all you know who won the title all that kind of stuff uh our guy jeff smith took down the title in the dlf salary cap invitational over there on league tycoon but i wanted to see what the settings were like and stuff so like the day after the nfl or at least the fantasy season ends i clip over on my clubhouse and there's a little little red icon next to contracts they already have things set up for me to choose my franchise player and try to extend contracts, things like that. When I went under the um, commissioner tab, I can set the date of the draft lottery already. Those things pop up immediately after the season, which is so cool. Their their platform is such a nice platform. They make it so easy. Their mobile app is awesome. Probably the best in the fantasy industry that I've encountered so many features, it's easy to use, um, and not all that extra stuff that that kind of takes away from the the fun of fantasy football and specifically salary cap and contract leagues. So if you're uh, thinking about joining a new league, maybe you've never tried salary cap or contracts and you want to give it a go, check out League Tycoon. It's the best place to do it. You can download their app, and if you use their our promo code DLF when you're cre- creating that league, your first year is going to be absolutely free. If you want more details uh, from somebody who is in the league, check out my article over on uh, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, uh, an introduction to ty- League Tycoon. Um, just search for League Tycoon uh, over on DLF, and you'll find that um, that article. Let's hit this startup. The startup. We're gonna pull our startup, Ryan, from the Saturday night game. There was a lot of a lot of interesting mm. things that came out of that game, but dynasty managers who were trying to win a title probably saw CeeDee Lamb running all over the field with the football and saw him winning them leagues. 13 catches, 227 yards, and a touchdown against the Lions on Saturday night. He was wide receiver one on the week. Wide receiver one on the season in total points, Ryan. He turns 25 in April, only a few months older than Justin Jefferson and less than a year older than Jamar Chase. I was I was thinking about this. Attached to that offense, it appears that that offensive coordinator, or that head coach down there is going to stay in place uh, unless something unforeseen happens, I would say. Sure. That, that the... the Quarterback's going to get a new contract, it seems like. Dak's in line for a big number this offseason after a huge season as well. So uh, we've been we've been kind of stuck in the mud, or maybe, maybe that's not the right analogy, but at least set in our ways with Justin Jefferson and Jamar mm-hmm. Chase at the top among uh, wide receivers. And I'm wondering, maybe does CeeDee Lamb belong in that same tier at the very least? Maybe he stays at three, but he, at least does he just... Dis- does he deserve to stay in that same tier? I think he does. And it's hard to, it's hard to keep him out of that after the production that we've seen, because the season that he's had and specifically from week six on is on par with, uh, with what we've seen from Jamar Chase and from uh, Justin Jefferson over there, uh, over the young years. I mean, you look and, and it's, 
as good as he's been, it's easy to kind of forget the start to his season. But after five weeks, uh, C.D. Lamb was the wide receiver 16. He, You know, he was fine. He was doing well, but not great. Uh, averaging just over 14 fantasy points per game. And if you watched if you watched the game the other night, if you've watched any of these games, uh, it seems like the uh, announcers remind you of how he, you know, stormed and they paint the picture. He storms into uh, the head coach's office and says, give me the ball, just like, uh, like so many of those uh, Dallas Cowboys receivers have over the years. And it worked. There was no drama. It just worked. Since week, since week six, he's wide receiver one by a pretty wide margin, and he's averaging nearly 27 fantasy points per game. Um, and, and that's not a two, a three, five-week sample. We're talking about nearly the entire season. Week six to week 17, 26.8 fantasy points per game. He has not wide receiver one games on the season, tied for the most in the league. And you know, especially this season, as good as Jefferson and Chase have been in stretches, we've all been hurt. If you've got them on your roster, we've all been hurt by their injuries, by their um, absences from the lineup. C.D. Lamb has missed one game in his four-year career. One game he's missed. Uh, so he's he's reliable on top of everything else. Yeah, very reliable, stays on the field and has these massive games like he like he did in weeks in championship week, right? To to add to your point there, he's scoring touchdowns too. He's getting in the end yeah, zone. Yeah. We all know how much that means. Over the last 10 games, nine touchdowns. Only only didn't score a touchdown a couple of times since the bye week. And that was way That's back wild. in week seven, I believe. It's 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 crazy. When you think about the Cowboys in general. Ryan and and really like where they're at uh, as a, w- with their entire roster, specifically the the pass catchers. CD just stands head and shoulders above the rest of the options. We all thought Brandon Cooks might make an impact, and and he was all right, especially late in the season, but didn't demand a lot of targets. Michael Gallup has never been the guy we expected him to be since being drafted by the Cowboys. Jake Ferguson is a nice player and certainly somebody we like in the dynasty space, but lamb is so much better really than the rest of the yeah. options there that he demands that, that big target number every single week. And not only is he getting 30%, 40% of the targets some weeks, he's also getting the high leverage ones, those shots down the field, as well as the ones in the red zone where he can score big time fantasy points. These are the things we say about those other two receivers that are in that elite tier. So I, I tend to agree with you, and I'm a little bit surprised. I always thought maybe he's just a really good or or even great receiver, not an elite receiver. He's certainly proven those of us that thought that wrong, and, and maybe it was just the opportunity that he needed to be that elite guy. The Cowboys have given him that, and he's produced. Yeah, it does, it does seem like, as you mentioned, some of his teammates there, it does feel like, Dallas could add another receiver this offseason, either through free agency or the NFL draft. And uh, yeah, they they tried it with Tolbert. Uh, yeah, Jalen Tolbert. Of course, obviously, Michael Gallup has had his chances. Uh, I'm with you. Cooks has been fine. Uh, I don't know if he's he's certainly not the long term answer. Not even sure if he's the answer for 2024. So they they need some help there. But I don't. I don't think anybody is going to come in and, and steal touches away from 
uh, away from C.D. Lamb. And, you know, the ring game is, has been a disappointment this season. Could certainly see them attempting to upgrade at that spot as well. I think all of that would uh, would even go to benefit Lamb even more. Yeah, I, I was following a uh, Cowboys beat reporter uh, over the last couple of weeks. I can't remember which one it is, so I apologize. I can't reference it. But this beat report reporter mentioned that Gallup and Cooks are both both have outs, easy outs in their contract, mm-hmm. and they could move on from those guys. It wouldn't be that surprising if Jerry Jones wanted to add another impact player on the perimeter. I don't know how that would take away from CeeDee Lamb, specifically in year one, especially if they did it through the draft. But no doubt Lamb belongs in the top three. I don't don't have any problem with somebody taking uh, Lamb over one of those other two receivers if they're at the top of a startup at this point. Um, Are you to the point that you'd, you'd trade down from one to three if it got you something that you thought could help you out if you were in a startup, though? Yeah, I think I am, honestly. I think I'm viewing those three receivers as as essentially equal now. And um, right, if I, as you said, if I draw the one spot, I'm still taking Jefferson. He's still my, my wide receiver one, my 101 overall. But, I mean, that's the whole point of talking about tiers in, in Dynasty. And that's why... Uh, that's why it's important to have a good uh, a good grasp on how you value these players because it it does tell you I can move down from one to three or if you're in estab- in in an established league already, I could trade Jefferson for lamb and something. If you can make those types of moves, whether you're in a startup or or a uh, a current league already, I, I, that's something I'm willing to consider. Is it a big tier break before you get to the next guys, the AJ Browns and the Amon Ross St. Browns? I wouldn't say Maybe a big large tier right break. Word. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say it's a big tier break. Amon Ra would be next for me at wide at wide receiver four, um, and not. I would say I'm not even considering him in that group yet. So I don't know. You can I, you can label it however you want, I guess. But I, I think it's a solid group of three at the top no doubt those three belong at the top of every startup for sure at least single quarterback startup this offseason and if you got one of those guys you can build around them for a long yeah. time dynasty rankings and we wanted to talk about dynasty league winners those guys that you put in your lineup in week 15 16 and 17 and carried you to a title uh, let's start under center, Ryan. There were three guys that, that really, really did a lot for dynasty managers and might've helped their, um, their dynasty value in a whole Jordan love finished as the quarterback three in playoff weeks, Baker Mayfield, the quarterback four and Justin Fields was the quarterback seven. All three of these guys were on dynasty championship rosters for sure. Is there one of these guys for you that really did a lot for themselves not only over these three weeks, but really over the season to create more value for dynasty managers? Well, I mean, we always talk about Jordan Love when Matt's not, right? I think that that's yeah. what it feels like. Uh, Matt's, Matt's the Jordan Love doubter still, still after what we've seen this year. Uh, it's hard to doubt. 
at this point for me. Uh, as you said, the quarterback three over the past three weeks, the fantasy playoffs, and I look at the the rings over at DLF, and you know we're constantly updating these and tinkering. I know I am at least, and um, he's the quarterback sixteen in those dynasty rankings right now. I feel like I'm ready to move him up. I actually have him at 16 in my in my specific rankings at well as well. I'm ready to move him up. Um, we've just seen so much uh, so much consistent consistency. Excuse me. After a rough stretch, and that was that was kind of what he was being dinged for early on. Is he'd have the big games, and then the next week look uh, you know would look terrible, and there were questions about who the quarterback was going to be next year and things like that. I think he's been consistently good throughout uh, the past six, eight weeks or so. And that has me ready to push Jordan love up the rankings. You know, you pair that with the young uh, weapons that he's surrounded by. Of course, we saw it from Jaden Reed on, uh, uh, on Sunday night, Uh, but it's, it's, They've got they've got a bunch of young guys, right? I mean, one of the one of the most fun rookie classes, uh, rookie crops that we've seen in some time from from one specific team with with Reed and the two tight ends and and even Wicks. So I really like what we're seeing from Jordan Love. I know you do, obviously, as as a Packers fan, it's hard to it's hard to keep him down at that quarterback sixteen spot. I think he's going to be knocking on the door of quarterback one range for me. Yeah, and really it's there's been more consistency than maybe he gets credit for, right? It, the right. multiple touchdown games he leads the league in. That that creates a high floor for dynasty players, for fantasy players in general. And that's what I really like as a fantasy manager. There are still things to tweak. And if Matt was here, he'd say the the downfield accuracy is a problem and I yeah. I, sure. I wouldn't have a whole lot of uh uh things to say about that. Uh, it, he did look better on Sunday night. That downfield passing game was was sharp from Jordan Love, uh, that first pass notwithstanding. But Love has created that high floor through – and it's not through the rushing game. He's, he's not really doing all that much with his legs, although he has you know shown in spurts that he can score fantasy points that way. He's third in the league in touchdown passes with 30. And I really do feel as a Packer fan, I watch all these games. I feel like they give him easier throws to, especially in the low red zone to create those touchdowns. It's kind of like, like the Jalen hurts thing, not to that extent where where if they land at the one yard line, Jalen hurts is going to get a touchdown, right? They're going to, they're going to run the run of the ball, you know, the quarterback sneak, the tush push, whatever you want to call it. That's a free touchdown. That's great. And that creates that floor for him. With Jordan Love, it's almost a guarantee that they're not going to hand the ball off. They're going to run some kind of play action, and it's going to be a relatively easy throw to one of his tight ends or even a fullback uh, at times or a running back. And and that has created this high floor for him through touchdowns that some dynasty analysts, fantasy analysts might say, well, are those touchdowns replicable? Are those going to happen all the time? I think because he gets those in those ways, maybe they are replicable maybe he is does have a 30 touchdown pass floor uh and maybe even higher than that in in years future i think he's gonna get a very massive contract this offseason probably early in the offseason he can't sign it till i think may 
But we're talking about $40 million a year, 45, maybe even $50 million a year for Jordan Love. It's going to be a huge commitment. And when you place him in this offense with that coaching staff and specifically these weapons that I think there's a dynasty manager in every single league that likes every one of those weapons that are in Green Bay. We all like them. If Jordan Love is the ringleader of that, the sky might be the limit for him. We're talking about where he belongs in rankings right now. If we got into the DeLorean and, and had to fast forward an entire year, where could he be then? What's the, what's the, I guess, ultimate upside of Jordan Love considering the trajectory he's been on this season? Well, we always talk about the quarterback depth, right? And, and especially at the top. Um, I, I'm looking right now at our rankings. We've got Trevor Lawrence as our quarterback eight. Too high for me personally. Um, I don't think it's crazy, especially if we're in the DeLorean and and Jordan Love has has gotten that big deal and uh, has a has similar um, you know a similar season next year, certainly to what he's done this year. I don't think it's crazy at all to have a love versus Lawrence conversation at that point. So I would say uh, over the next, over the next year, uh, if we're pushing him up to the eight, nine, 10 spot, that's probably the ceiling that I see for him in the short term. Yeah. I was going to say seven would probably be the very highest if he has a great season next year. Um, he's still got a little bit of work to do this season. I'd like to see him play well in a playoff game, which they're not even, mm. they haven't even gotten to the playoffs, little pressure on him. Uh, maybe get like that Saturday night game or something like that against a good team, like the Cowboys or the lions, see how he plays in that, that kind of atmosphere. But he hasn't disappointed to this point before we move on to the running backs. Uh, Ryan, I do have to mention Justin Fields in Chicago that, he got the chance on Sunday. We want Justin, right. you know, yeah. all those things. They they locked up that, I guess the Panthers locked up the number one pick for them. Where do you land on this debate? Should the should the Chicago Bears consider just holding on to fields, maybe leveraging that pick again, maybe taking the best non-quarterback at two or three in the draft? How do you feel about that option? I mean, I feel like I've always been kind of on fields, just field side in this um, in this conversation. So I never necessarily thought it was a a great idea to to trade him and and to go with Caleb Williams. Uh, I, I I loved hearing those chants, and I mean, we've seen DJ Moore play really well when both of those guys have been healthy and on the field. Um, and then, of course, uh, before the games on Sunday, there was the report that Matt Eberflus is, is likely to return as well, that the Bears' yeah. uh, solid play as of late has him uh, keeping his job when maybe a few weeks ago that looked unlikely. So I got to feel like they should run it back. And whether that means uh, getting Mark Harrison that squad somehow or continuing to uh, work on that offensive line, I, I'm I'm sticking with Fields in Chicago. Yeah, I think I am too. And I I've that's a probably a pretty big 180 for those of you that listen <laughs> regularly. Yeah. Fields has taken some steps forward. There are anticipation throws every single week, it feels like now, that were not there at all last year or early this season. The guy who seems to be on the hot seat there in Chicago is probably offensive quarter 
coordinator Luke Getze. And I'm not 100% sure that's that that would be good for Justin Fields to upend the progress that he's made. I'm not saying Getze is perfect by any means, but it feels like that offense is coming around. A lot of Bears fans are seeing similarities between what the Bears have done late this season and maybe what the Lions did a year ago. I see that in the record. I certainly see that in the offensive production. I think with with an added offensive lineman and certainly some help on defense, the Bears can make a jump. They got the they got the draft capital to do something, do some major damage and include really improve this team. I think Fields is part of their future, though. And and I I'm not afraid of having Fields on my dynasty rosters at this point. And that's not something I could have said uh, three or four months ago. At the running back position, three guys that helped win championships uh, over the last three weeks. James Conner was the RB4 over that stretch. Zamir White came out of nowhere to put up RB7 numbers, Ryan. And then Jerome Ford, RB10 numbers. All three of these guys were in championship lineups over the last few weeks and certainly uh, deserve Dynasty managers' attention. I think the name that pops off to me in this list is Zamir White, Ryan. He he looked, he ran hard. He looked good for the Raiders. Of course, Josh Jacobs was benched with the, or not really benched, but on the sideline with an injury. His contract is up, probably not getting that massive payday. And White at least looked like a serviceable starting NFL running back. What are your takes on White and his dynasty value now moving forward? Yeah, White is certainly the name that stands out there, uh, not only because of his play over the last uh, month or so, last three weeks, but because of Josh Jacobs' situation, as you you mentioned. You know, Josh Jacobs was almost gone from this Raiders team last offseason, and uh, they they work it out that he's he was back on the roster and back on the field this year. I think I think we can probably assume he's moving on uh, in in some form or fashion. Clearly, this Raiders team has a lot to figure out um, on the field as far as getting some upgrades. And I mean, it's, it's only been a lot better with uh, Antonio Pierce as their coach. And I would expect him to to stick with that role at this point. I think uh, I, I really don't think you can go any other way than that. But as far as White goes, yeah, he's on that rookie deal. Um, he, he's the guy that that the Raiders need to roll with and they need another piece. He's, he's somewhat, he's, he's one dimensional, right? I mean, he's not, not going to catch a ton of passes out there. Um, but if we're assuming that Josh Jacobs is moving on Zamir wide at RB fit in our current rankings, he could see a 20, 25 spot jump potentially uh, here in the coming months. Certainly worth it too, right? It, that that's right. not, that, that doesn't feel like a wasted pick in a startup. Certainly doesn't feel like if you were able to get your hands on him earlier this season through trade or what have you, that that you wasted anything there. White looks, he looks a little bit, he looks a little bit plotting at times. There there are times between the tackles where yeah, you think he sure. just doesn't have that elite burst or, or that breakaway speed. But then like against the Chiefs in week, 15, I think it was when he closed out that game with that long run, all of a sudden mm-hmm. it showed up with that burst through the line of scrimmage. And although he got caught from behind, that was the kind of run that you saw from him in college. 
that you, you I wasn't quite sure if that was going to be there at this level. It certainly looked like it was on that run and a couple of others against the Colts. I expected that to happen at some point in week 16 or excuse me, in week 17. And it just kind of never came. He got all the carries, all the run, but it was a lot of four and five yard runs. He contributed a little bit as a pass catcher as well, which was helpful. Quickly, James Conner, an older running back, a guy that we uh, we don't mind starting. It's not going to cost you a lot. How do you feel about Connor's dynasty value? Well, we didn't talk about Baker Mayfield in the quarterback conversation. And I would say I feel similarly about those two. Um, I, I don't think even with a strong uh, end to the season that either of those guys are, are in a position to gain much value. I think we kind of know what we have with them. Uh, there's a potential with Connor, certainly, that he's on a new team next year. I think that's, I would say that about really any running back uh, of his age and experience. Connor's the RB34 in Dynasty uh, right now. And uh, I'm sorry, RB36 in Dynasty right now, according to our rankings. And that's that's about where I would value him. I don't, I don't see a big value jump for Connor. I did want to go back to White really quickly. And I know you guys talked about you specifically, Dan talked last week about uh, investing in those backup running backs. And yeah, I mean, if you invest, if you invested in Zamir White or Jerome Ford last off season, uh, when when their value is down, both of them as rookies in 2022 saw very little playing time. If you took the chance, grabbed them off your waiver wire, got them thrown into a trade, you're very very happy with how that worked out. And I would be, you said you think it would be a fair price if, if he sees a 20 spot jump, Zamir White, that is. I think it would be fair and understandable as well. I don't know that I would be investing at that point. And instead, I would probably do exactly what you said last week. Look for the next backup, uh, the next yeah. uh, the next rookie who's, who I'm, you know, I might have to be patient with, but rather than spending a, you know, eighth or ninth round startup pick, or rather than flipping a second round pick, rookie pick for Zamir White, I'd probably uh, go bargain hunting instead. Yeah. And when you're bargain hunting, you can get four or five of those guys in big roster, big, big lineup leagues, uh, and take your shot that way for the same price yeah. as it cost you one Zamir White. Um, let's jump over to wide receivers, some guys that helped us win leagues. Chris Godwin was a shocking one. If you started him, hat tip to you. He had such, an, such a down <laughs> season and then came through lately. Wide receiver seven over the final three weeks. Uh, Rashi Rice was in a lot of starting lineups. Wide receiver eight over the playoff stretch. And then Terry McLaurin, another guy that kind of came out of nowhere. These guys were all wide receiver ones, top 12 guys. He was wide receiver 11. I wouldn't have had the stones to put a lot, put a couple of these guys in my lineup, Chris Godwin and Terry McLaurin for sure. Rashi Rice though, he had a really nice rookie season and I don't know. It, it seems like it's even been a little bit under the radar, Ryan. Yeah, I agree. Not, not getting talked about as much as uh, maybe as much as expected for a rookie performing as he has. I will say his ADP is very different from his, mm -hmm dynasty rank we've got him the wide receiver 40 in our dynasty rankings i believe he's the wide receiver 26 in our current adp yeah. and of course with the beginning up. of yeah with the beginning of a new month here we'll have some new adp here just uh very soon hopefully for everyone uh, as far as godwin and mclaurin 
I mean, they almost feel like that James Conner territory. McLaurin, I, yeah. I think the most interesting thing on his production as of late uh, is so much of it came with Jacoby Brissett in the lineup. And I was, you know, I was hopeful to see Brissett get that start. And of course, he ends up with the injury and, and wasn't able to play on Sunday. Uh, Dan, you and I have had a conversation lately about the top you know, who are the best 32 quarterbacks in the world? That's a conversation that comes up a lot of times uh, in, in fantasy talk and in bar talk, whatever. And I think Jacoby Brissett's on that list. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I don't think he's going to get a shot in Washington. We'll see some changes, but I'd kind of like to see Brissett get another chance to start somewhere. As far as these receivers, Godwin and McLaurin wide receiver 25 and 28 in our current rankings if anything, they're probably going to go down once we get those rookies added. Um, yeah. So n- n- nice, uh, nice end of season run for those veterans, but I don't think it's going to re- result in a, a big value spike for those guys. Yeah. And unfortunately you're probably not going to be able to capitalize on this run. If you have them on your roster and you're starting them right. as your wide receiver three, you're probably rolling into 2024 with those guys as your wide receiver three, once again, if you can get them added to trades to get an upgrade, that's that's not a bad idea. Um, last position to talk about here, the funnest to talk about always, right, is tight end. <laughs> this list is, is pretty intriguing, Ryan. David Njoku was the tight end one, not only for the playoffs, fantasy playoffs, but really over the second half of the season, just a dynamic playmaker, targeted, uh, ultra-targeted, tar- uh, by Joe Flacco and just came down with everything thrown his way. Another surprise, Jawan Johnson was the tight end two in the throughout the playoffs. Really, kind of sneakily had a nice season, honestly, and yeah. wasn't very useful for fantasy for much of it, but certainly a useful player down the stretch. Then Isaiah Likely, who filled in really nicely for uh, Andrews after his injury, he finished as the tight end four over this three week period, and then. We got to throw one more name, South Dakota boy Tucker Craft, tight end seven. He filled in for Luke Musgrave and really was a dual purpose tight end, caught everything thrown his way and was tough to bring down after the catch. These guys were really on benches to start the season and helped the dynasty players win fantasy titles this year. I'm wondering of this group, is there a is there a name that really jumps off the page to you? Somebody that did a lot for their value? Well, I want to ask you about Tucker Craft in just a moment, but I'm, I think we have to start with David Njoku. I mean, he averaged over 20 fantasy points in the fantasy playoffs, uh, far and away the tight end one over the last three weeks. And the concern here is not Njoku, not anything about Njoku, just 27 years old. I mean, he's younger than Ingram, younger than Dallas Goddard, younger than Mark Andrews and George Kittle, all ranked ahead of him over at DLF. The concern here is Deshaun Watson. What's going to happen in 2024 when Deshaun Watson is presumably back under center because we haven't seen him play well in a Browns uniform. Uh, We we haven't seen that yet in uh, the back half of last season and the first half of, of this season. So honestly, the hesitation that I would have investing in Njoku is his quarterback situation. Um, that that's that's kind of where I am. It, great run, uh, you know, overcame a lot. Obviously, with the the um, accident that he had earlier in the season, 
I, I do want to move over to Tucker Craft though, because he's been so good. Luke Musgrave was so good as as the starting tight end for the Packers. So as a Packers fan and and you know uh being being a local kid, you know, you know a lot about craft, certainly. What do you see in the next year with these two guys? Are, are we going to see them both on the field? Has Kraft done enough to claim that starting job? What are, what are we doing with those guys? Well, they're two very different players. You know, Musgrave is that seam stretcher, that guy that can get down the field, while Kraft is a is a very good blocker. I don't even think like very good for a rookie. I think he's very a very good NFL. Uh, blocker at the tight end position. And he was getting on the field to do that role until Musgrave yeah. went down when suddenly they started asking Tucker Kraft to get down the field a little bit more. And he honestly, he shined in that role. 28 receptions on the year, 324 yards and the two touchdowns. Most of that production has come over the last five weeks where uh, he has at least four catches in the last four games. Um, always around 50 to 60 yards and then sprinkled in a couple touchdowns as well. I honestly, I don't know. I don't know how you get both of them on the field enough to be fantasy relevant week in and week out. Now, now fantasy relevant is different obviously than dynasty relevant because while you can't click their name or specifically, I think craft, it's going to be difficult to, to start him in your playoff or in your fantasy league early next season. I think Musgrave will be a top 12 startable tight end early next year. It feels to me like, okay. Like he's the preferred pass catcher. Kraft is the guy though, that, that I kind of want to invest in. You mentioned, I think you said his rank tight end 30 on DLF right now. His ADP has got to be right around there too. I imagine that goes up slightly. If you can get him for low end tight end two uh, draft capital, I'm, pulling the trigger and add, adding Tucker Kraft. And I'm willing to wait it out because as we saw from David Njoku and even Everett Ingram, the the like year six, year seven breakout, that's a thing at tight end, Brian. It really is. It's crazy. Njoku, how many dynasty managers, Ryan, traded away Njoku as part of a trade in the last couple of years because he hasn't done anything. His career high in catches mm-hmm. was last year with like 50. Um, only to see this happen and just want to bury their face in their hands because they believed for so long and finally gave up. Well, I mean, we kind of saw the same thing last year with Evan Ingram. Uh, of course, in, yeah. in Ingram's case, he, he had to move on to a new team to to really get that breakout. And this year, Ingram becomes, uh, I believe, just the uh, I think just the eighth tight end to record a hundred receptions is is what I heard. I think that's correct. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, now it was in Joku's turn this year. Maybe you know, maybe OJ Howard. Maybe OJ Howard's turn oh is next gosh. year. Those three guys, uh, those three guys, all were in the same class. Uh, first round, first uh, early round tight ends, and uh, value highly in dynasty back in uh, back in twenty seventeen, I believe. I think that oh they were the twenty seventeen guys. So yeah, maybe. I maybe think OJ what I Howard. learned. <laughs> what I learned from this list, Najoku, Juwan Johnson, Isaiah Likely, and Kraft, is that in Dynasty, specifically leagues with 25 roster spots or more, we want four or five tight ends on our roster throughout the yeah. regular season because these guys can suddenly become a low-end 
tight end ones, even high end tight end ones in the case of Najoku and even Johnson and likely late in the season. Let's hear from the listeners. It's time for the question of the week. Yeah, we got a question this week, kind of league related, commish related, manager related. Ryan, how do you handle getting commitments from managers for next season? I think it's a perfect time of year. First of all, I, we're recording on Monday. The fantasy season ended on Sunday. I saw Monday morning you paid out your winners in your leagues. I did the same thing yep. in mine as well. And that's that should be the expectation in your league. If you're in a dynasty league, the league's over. Like maybe you push it off to Thursday if there's a really close finish, you know, within a point or something like that, just in case there is that random stat correction that really never happens anymore. But if if you're the commission of a league and you're you've paid out your your winners for this league, are you asking for that commitment for next season right now so you can get right into the offseason? Or do you leave do you leave a little bit of space before you do those things? I'm asking for the commitments uh, immediately, really, but also also giving a window. Um, and, and you know, I feel like the earlier I can I can know as commish, the the easier the process is going to be. Obviously, the more time to find some replacements and and, and come up with a plan there. And, and you know, if you're if you're doing a good job of running your league and you found some quality managers and quality people going to let you know as soon as they know. Right. And typically that's right now. Right. Or, or maybe, maybe even sooner. Um, so yeah, once, once I'm kind of making that transition, turning my eye towards the next season, I'm, I'm taking care of those payouts, as you mentioned, and I'm starting to think about, uh, about the, uh, all the changes that are going to happen that off season. And, and the first one of those is, uh, replacing those managers who have left. To me, though, I've I've got that deadline. I've got a payment deadline, uh, which honestly has been in my leagues. It's been mid February. I'm actually going yeah. to be moving that up just to to give myself again and and to give the league um, uh, actually a smaller window, but more time to get new managers in and and uh, have those those personal drafts and auctions and, and all of those things. But I don't think there's anything wrong with asking for a commitment right now, you know, outside of outside of emergency situations or, or unforeseen circumstances, everybody knows if, if they want to come back and play in the league again, or if they're ready to move on for whatever reason. Yeah. I like, I like the Super Bowl as the, like, like set it around something where everybody knows exactly what it is that by the Super Bowl, I like to know if you're in, I'd even like to be paid for for next season's dues. I know uh, all of us here on the podcast we use we use League Safe now to collect all the money. It's so much easier as a commissioner oh to, to just handle things that way. It's it's like a dream, honestly. It was so easy to just click on the winners and send them their money and move on. Um, I like to ask for dues right away too, and I, you know when asking for that commitment, Ryan, it's really it's really a really easy thing to do, right? You just, in fact, we have a Slack channel in my leagues and I just created a yes or no, click the green box. If you're, if you're going to be back, click the red X, if you're not. And I make it really easy for people to leave my leagues. Um, because honestly, I don't want a manager in my league. If they're, if they're not fully committed, if they're not 
really excited about being in it. So I always add the note, no hard feelings. Uh, if you don't want to come back, I completely understand. I don't even need an excuse why. I just, uh, you know, hopefully those those managers haven't traded away first round picks or anything like that. That's where you run into some problems. Yeah, I totally agree. No hard feelings. Scott Fish and I talk about this a lot um, on the Commission Possible podcast. Uh, that might be coming back soon, by the way. But uh, oh, anyway, uh, yeah, maybe. We'll see. Uh, but regardless, we talk about that. Hard feelings and whether it's, you know, no matter what the reason is. And as you said, really the reason doesn't, doesn't matter all that much. Um, ultimately, if they don't want to be in the league for any reason, I'm with you, Dan. I don't really want them in the league. You you know, you don't want a, you don't want a unhappy keeper in bringing everything down. So I'm with you again, once again, bringing, uh, getting that info as, as quickly as possible is the way to go. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of the show. Kind of short and sweet. Uh, the off season is going to be closer to 45 minutes rather than an hour. We do have the rookie report card series kicking off next week. We got a Kentucky Wildcat on the list that we need to talk about. Big name quarterback as well as well as a wide receiver that you guys are going to want to know about. That as well as so much more. Uh, throughout this offseason on the DLF Dynasty podcast. Hopefully Matt's back next week. I hope you are too as well. For Ryan, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.